Welcome. This is another episode <laughs> of the Sailing Tropical Dawn podcast. Today is the 11th of May, Thursday, 11th of May 2023, and we're in Saint Helena. Yeah. Uh, today we're recording at the Consulate Hotel mm-hmm. in Jamestown. Um, and like I said last week, I wanted to talk about Kirsten Oshaffer and the Golden Grove race and her winning the race. In case that she has nothing to say about that. Well, I thought I just told you that before we pushed play. <laughs> that was off the record. We <laughs> <laughs> were supposed to mention that. I hope, I hope the wind isn't too bad. Um, yeah, sorry? So I'm going to have to do this podcast by myself. I'll try it in where I can. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, we mentioned last week that... Uh, so uh, two weeks ago, when this well, two weeks ago she won uh, on Thursday, I think. I mean, which day was it? Thursday, she won the Golden Globe race. Uh, Kristen O'Shaffer. Um, maybe I, th- I think I want to talk a bit about the Golden Globe race first. Okay. Um, I mean, you can say a little bit about it too. You watched the documentary. Oh, I don't know when the first one started. 1968. 1968. 1968. 69. It started in 68. Uh, around in 69. So. It's uh, how often does it happen? Like every no, it's it was a one-off race. Yeah, I know, but how often does it happen now? Uh, well, the previous one was in 2018, and then this one started in 2022. Okay, so every four, four years. I don't know if it's going to be every four years, but there's been two two now. So 2018 was um, to well, because it was 50, 50 years since the first one. Um, but first. Yeah, so the first one started in 1968 from France. Actually and it was from... A okay, no. Insert eye roll. People actually started mainly from the UK because there, oh. there, there was... So the original Golden Globe race was, um, oh, yes, it was in the UK, organized sorry. by the... I forgot which newspaper... Times. Oh, this was Sunday Times. Sunday Times yeah. in, in the UK. Yeah. Um, so, just before that, um, someone, oh, yeah, my, I didn't do my research properly, sailed around the world solo with stopping once, mm. which was um, Chesterster. And he got and, knighted, yeah. Yeah, and, and Gypsy Mod 4. Mm. Um, so, I think the, it created quite an interest in sailing, especially in the UK. Um, and the so the newspaper set out this actually this race, yeah. Actually, um, I think what actually happened was that this Knox Johnson uh, character decided that he wanted to do a solo ah, yeah. sail around the world, and I think he might have gotten a few other boats to join him because the Sunday Times got wind of this and they decided to make a competition out of it. Oh ah, yeah. So he was in the comp- He was actually preparing to go. Uh, and planning this whole uh, solo trip around the world, when um, which sparked the actual event being created by the Sunday That's Times. That's true. Yeah. We watched the documentary also with yeah. uh, Sir Robin Knox Johnson, who actually ended up winning the the first Golden Globe race, um, in which he said like he entered the race without no. I mean, all of a sudden he yeah. heard he had entered the race, while he never actually formally like said he was going to enter the race, so he wasn't even 
in planning the competition. To. He wasn't <laughs> yeah. planning to. But so I think the newspaper got, like you said, mm. got wind of it, and they thought, like, we'll make it, uh, we'll give it a prize. Mm. And so basically, the first one was anyone you could start between, I think, somewhere in August and October. Yeah. Anywhere in, um, I think, France or the UK. Yeah. And the first one to arrive back would win a prize and the first the one who made it in the best time so if you left later you basically were in a disadvantage to get over the finish line first but you could still win the prize for doing it in the fastest, the fastest time, time. Yeah. so there was an original golden globe race well i'll talk a little bit i mean we talked a little bit about it in the other episodes of podcast yeah. episode uh, choices where we talked about uh, Donald Crowhurst yeah bit of a, a sad uh, story, but anyway. Really, I mean, oh, I, I really highly recommend anyone who is, is interested in sailing to actually go and watch uh, Deep Water. You yeah. can find it on YouTube. Yeah. It's, I mean, yeah, it gives you full of, like, more human perspective of what was going on there, yeah. um, which makes you appreciate it all the more. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's how the first Golden Globe... Oh, also, the, we mentioned before that there were, like, I think, only nine boats or nine solar sailors. Uh, who that started. Who started and only two finished? Uh, only one finished, one, oh. which was Sir Rob, Robin Knox Johnson, yeah. who obviously then won the race because he was the only one who finished. But the other one who could have finished, who didn't actually give up, but he decided actually to keep sailing, yeah, was Bernard Mottessier, yeah. who we'll definitely talk about in this episode. So the episode is about the Golden Globe race, about um, Kirsten Neuschaffer, but also about um, Bernard, Bernard Montessier. Yeah. So it's mainly about, like, I think, and uh, might talk a little bit about Joshua Slocum yeah. as well. I guess those are, like, our sailing heroes. Yeah, there's, there, there's yeah. three people that are, like, we were all three of them are, by the way, solar sailors. Yeah. Um, Joshua Slocum was the first to sail solo around the world. He didn't do it non-stop, which is the difference between what he did and the Golden Globe race. He did it in... 1890, I think he left in 18, the U.S. in 1892 or in the 1890s, and he finished six years later, I think, uh, back there. And he actually mm. stopped in St. Helena. There's a little plaque here commemorating yeah. that he um, did a talk here in mm. one of the halls. Um, but, so we'll talk a little bit about Joshua Slocum also. But yeah, I guess the Golden Globe race, I want to... Like paint mm. a good picture of it because without knowing what the Golden Globe is, you can't. I feel like you can't really appreciate mm. um, what Kirsten Oshafer accomplished. Achieved, yeah. yeah, I mean, just the, just all like when I I looked up because I, I I saved a few. I mean, I looked at Google searched a bit to just make sure I've got the facts right. Um, and she's basically she was on. I mean, there's articles on her in every South African newspaper, but also on CNN, on NBC, on like she, she, she like by winning this race, she, she basically, is a few people, I mean, multiple people have said she's a sailing legend, but we'll explain to you why that is in a bit. So that was the original Golden Globe race, 60, 68, 69. Mm. Only one person ended up finishing. Um, yeah, Donald. Uh, Crowhurst ended up not just not finishing, but actually losing his life. Um, yeah, like I said. Uh, watch a documentary. Watch a documentary. Yeah. And also we talked uh, more, ex I mean, we actually talked about watching the documentary in the other, mm. in the previous episodes. Uh, choices. 
uh, from a few weeks weeks ago. Uh, so the original one uh, was in the 60s when there weren't any, there weren't, wasn't GPS. Yeah. The, the technology no of uh, no AIS, which is, uh, we talked about it a little bit. Basically all the electronics that make sure you know where you are in the world and that other people know where you are in the world. None of that existed. You had the sextant, which is a device with which you can measure the height of the sun or other stars. And with that, you can calculate where you are in the world, and that's how you knew where you were. Mm. So it was like a completely different time of sailing. Actually, that was until the 1980s when, when GPS actually came. So f most people of like previous generations, for them, sailing was without GPS. Mm. For us, we were just so used to having GPS. We we just look on our chart plotter. We know exactly where we are. Mm. We know how and far we still go, to go yeah. and like even without any other uh, electronics. Just yeah. um, so the original Golden Globe race that wasn't around yet. And um, so a number of years ago, um, someone, I forgot his name, the Australian dude, decided that he wanted to re, like, bring that race back to life. Because nowadays, like, if you look at like, um, other solo around the world sailing races, the biggest position is the Vendée Day Globe. Basically, they're sailing in these high-tech boats, which have, like, are like yeah, high-tech, to like, yeah, it's it's crazy. It doesn't even really look like a, like a. Well, sorry, oh, that wasn't too much background noise. No, um, as we're recording this in a hotel in the courtyard, there's some background noise. But, um, you want like if you look at the new r the races nowadays, they're basically in these high-tech boats, which are super fast, but also they're in constant satellite communication. So you have like up to the second like weather predictions. You've got they're on like basically constantly like mm. uh, satellite phone connection with uh, people telling them which way to sail, where the wind's going to be best. Uh, something breaks on the boat, they've got an engineer mm. on standby to tell them how to fix it. So it's still, I mean, sailing solo is, is very hard, especially sailing around the world is very hard. But it kind of takes away a lot of the challenges and the charm. Are you talking about, you said sailing solo? Solo. No, of the, the, the new races. The new races, the Golden yeah. Globe race. The new boats. The new boats. Also, it's like so high tech that like, basically you need sponsors and you need to be like, it's just very few people can do it. Which is why, um, I forgot the guy's name, uh, decided to make the race, like start the race uh, McIntyre. McIntyre, I forgot what his first name is. Anyway, um, in 2018, to organize a new Golden Globe race, which the, which was sailing with boats from the 1960s. Basically, any boats like that meets the criteria for this at Forward, which was designed before 1980, uh, between 31 and 38 foot long, and like basically classic like sailboat design. Uh, no GPS, no uh, satellite phones, like basically none of the modern technology and just sailing like uh, they did in 1968, 1969 and that's how the new Golden Globe race in 2018 came to be. This one, Kirsten Oshoffer just won, it was the 2022 one, so the, he, they organized another one. Um, and yeah. Yeah, just to put it in perspective, you're basically sailing by yourself. The only way to communicate is via radio, 
uh, long range rate. Yeah. yeah, VHF is short range, so you okay. can only talk to bots in a few nautical miles around yeah. you, which is when you're sailing solo, basically most of the time no one. Then you have uh, long range radio, which which you can talk to other boats and to people on on land who have the radio, uh, same radio, but they actually in in this year's race or well last year the one that just happened. Uh, they didn't allow ham radio because you could basically talk to anyone and then it would be very easy to get up-to-date weather info which kind of goes against the idea of the race. So we're basically sailing solo for about nine months. She left, uh, the, well, they left in September 2022 and she arrived last week. So there was, for total, she ended up sailing, how many days? I, just, I read it here somewhere. 200... Something, 33 something. days, 20 hours, 43 okay. minutes, and 47 <laughs> seconds. Okay. That's a long time, 232 days, almost, yeah. Well, it's eight long. months. Okay. Yeah. Um, by yourself. She did get to talk to some people on, on the other boats via radio, and there were a few um, like gates they had to sail through, which was, one was, was in Cape Town, where we tried to get close to the boat. So what that meant, when you sail through the gate, that meant that they had to come close to... Cape Town Harbor, they weren't allowed to have um, direct com like contact with anyone on another boat because you can't give them anything. Obviously, they're, they're not allowed to, like, I mean, obvious. The whole idea of the, bo the race is that you're solo and you have to have everything on board that you need. Mm. Even if something breaks, you have to either fix it on or you have to basically make a plan or, or you, you, have to, if you have to come to, sh to, uh, to shore, to a harbor, to fix something, then you're basically out of the race. You actually end up in the second category, which is if you stopped once, which is Justice class, which is in uh, remembrance of the person who did it before the first Golden Pop race. I'm hoping this makes sense and this is not just very boring facts. <laughs> anyway, I'm, I'm hoping <laughs> it makes people interested in the Golden Globe. It might also make people think, like, what's the freaking point? Why don't so many rules? But uh, I guess the point is, like, the whole idea is that, like, yeah, to bring back uh, racing like, like it used to be back in those days, where it was much more of an, of an adventure. Uh, and you have to have a lot more skill. And a yeah. Lot yeah. I mean, not to say that solos, like sailors who sail in this super high-tech Boats don't have a lot of skills, but it's a different type it's, of skills. It's very different, yeah. yeah. Um, also, like, those new boats go faster. They go much like faster. Than, yeah, actually so you're dealing with a completely different yeah. uh, actually, boat. Yeah. I, I, I don't know it by heart, but I think the fastest solo around mm -hmm. the world time now is 21 days. Oh, that's crazy. It's in a massive trimaran that's basically like... Yeah, hovering, like a hover, hover, hover boat. Yeah. Um, which is in itself a challenge to to be able to sail a boat mm. like that because it's so high tech, but it's it's completely different from what uh, the Golden Globe race is about. And I guess maybe one of the reasons I'm interested in the Golden Globe race, but I think actually a lot of people are, is because the boat she sails is, seems very similar to the boat we're sailing. It's a little bit bigger and it obviously she has more, um, I mean, it's fitted out for solo sailing and for racing, but um, it's like a boat that anyone could actually buy and sail and the other thing is, like, anyone can enter the Golden Globe race. You have to have some experience in solo sailing, and you, you have to know what you're doing, basically. But there's no, like, you don't have to have a special boat. You don't have to pay, like, a massive entry fee. 
you don't, like, yeah. Like, in theory, anyone who's a sailor who's got enough experience to show that they know what they're doing can enter this, which is, makes it, like, very, like, I guess, much more accessible than... I mean, it, it's... Uh, I was talking to someone about this, like, this new sailboats, and, like, when you look at the, the kind of boats that ra race around the world in 21 days, or whatever it is, or uh, America's Cup, which is, like, like basically the... Uh, World Championship of Sailing, if you, if you want to say it like that. It's like the most highly rated like sailing race. These boats are like super high-tech, like Formula One kind of spaceships compared to sailboat like you and I mm. would sail. So I guess it's just much more accessible and it like just makes it like something you can relate to in a way. I don't know. You feel like you can relate to what she's doing, she, what she did? Not at all. I mean, I mean, the fact that she's sailing and we're sailing, yes, on that level, but mm. I think, yeah, no. Because? <laughs> no, because she's like, I mean, like what she's done. I mm. mean, we, we know we're near that. No, and I mean, I mean we'd because, never of, because of the, the solar sailing or because solar, of... I mean, solar sailing and also like the, the in a time, time yeah. frame that they've done yeah. it in. Like, yeah. yeah. But I mean, from like a woman to woman perspective, <laughs> I think she's really incredible. Yeah. Um, and so I think anyone could, she's very inspiring for most, I think so. most, most people in general. I yeah. I think she, that, that, that is, I mean, so yeah, Kirsten, Kirsten yeah. Oshoffer. Yeah. Um, she's 40 years old. She's from uh, PE or t today it's called Kebera in uh, South Africa. She's been selling for quite a while, but I think in 2008, she basically became a professional sailor. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, we we started following her. Um, I started following the race. This previous race, I didn't the Golden Globe race. I didn't really follow this one. I tried to follow a bit, also because I knew she was in the race. There was another South African, uh, Jeremy Bradshaw. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, because she was in in the race. Uh, South African, and I'm like, although I'm not officially South African, mm. I feel like South African, feel South African, and she was only the only woman to actually even participate in the mm. race since since the first races, um, which I think, yeah, there's far too few women in sailing, but I think, I, but mainly inspired me, and I think we were talking about it, like when we were saying, like, it's, we, I think we were putting together. Uh, a post or something about to congratulate her and I was like do we want to congratulate her on being the first woman to do this like isn't that a bit sexist I was mm. like, and uh, what how did she say say to mm. uh no sorry I, she said I, she, uh, yeah yeah you want to read it she said i wanted to win not as a woman i didn't want to be in a separate category but to compete on equal terms with all the skippers yeah, yeah. I think that's, uh, yeah. I think what, it's, I mean, I think it, she inspired people by being the only woman to do, do it, but also mm. I think in just the way she approached the whole thing, like all the interviews I've seen with her, she just came, ac I mean, she always came across as someone, like, if, like we, we, we watched a f uh, few documentaries about, and I've read a few books about Bernard Matissier, who's like, mm -hmm. like I said, is another one of those, like, sailing heroes, and just the way, they talk about sailing and the way they, they come across as a person is just so inspiring because they're mm. so down to earth but also they've got this, I don't know, almost feels like this, this beautiful connection with sailing mm. with their boat and with the ocean that is like kind of what for me is like one of the reasons that drives me to want to sail mm. uh, in the ocean.
Uh, and I think, yeah, Kirsten also had that just very down-to-earth mentality and just way of like just being, I think being humble or humility, which mm. I think when you're sailing across in a small boat across the ocean, you have to have. But I don't know, just the honesty and like just the whole way mm. she, like I, anyway, she was for me already like someone I looked up to just for, for like, yeah, as a person, not that I really know her, but like she came across as a really special like person, someone to admire. <laughs> Sorry, I <didn't. laughs> What did I say wrong? Please. Nothing. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, carry on. Um, I obviously said something I shouldn't have. <laughs> no, you didn't. You really didn't. Yeah. Anyway, so she was already... We wanted to, like, when, when they... So they, they started in uh, France in September last year. And about four months later, I think, they came past Cape Town. Um, and we wanted to just see the boats because it, it just is like this, this great sporting, well, not sporting event because I'm not into sporting, but like this great event in sailing. And especially Kirsten to like kind of like cheer on. We, we didn't manage to actually see her because, yeah, the weather was a bit too rough. We went out of our day and the swell was a bit too much for us to feel comfortable about going to where her boat was. But we were already like very in, involved with like mm. cheering her on from, from our side. I think the thing, I mean, we, we loved her from the, from the beginning. Well, from the time that I knew about her, we, we like really wanted to support her. Also because she's a fellow South African. <laughs> um, uh, but the other thing is I think that she really became like like a much bigger, like selling uh, icon. Selling, selling icon exactly. Once uh, she rescued Tapio, yeah, Tapio so, on his boat. Yeah, so yeah. she she set off. Actually, I think she said somewhere in, when she started race that she set out to race to win. Yeah. Then she started, and like in the first leg of the race, she fell, kind of fell, fell behind, and she mm. wasn't doing very well. And apparently, she it really got her down. But by the time she got to Cape Town, she was in. I think third position overall mm. out of 19 a story which is pretty good and mm. she was like like only if like half a day behind the second one the first one was like a few days ahead mm. but uh, she was doing pretty well she sailed very well in, in that leg mm. um, the one who was in second position was Tapio um, um, Tapio Leninen from Finland, Finland yeah. um, and then his boat, when they were in the Southern Indian Ocean, which is if you read about sailing, and especially about these round the world races, the, the, the part between South Africa and Australia is usually the hardest part, apart from going around Cape Horn. But like it's one of the, like it's where you get a lot of storms and it's often very rough seas. So somewhere in that leg, Tapio was still in second position. His boat sank. Like, like basically I think he had 15 minutes to like between when he noticed the boat was taking in water and sinking so he had to uh, abandon into a life raft yeah. he was able to uh, put out uh, all the rescue so the, they do have modern technology for safety and re rescue so that if there's an emergency you can find the boat so the um, Golden Globe race uh, committee or who is in charge knew where he was and they contacted um, Kirsten who was in, in third position so she was closest to him 
uh, and she actually sailed to him, and she was a she actually got him off of his uh, like she was the first person to reach him, and from there, then a big ship, a container ship, um, managed to pick him up and, and bring him to safety. So she basically was like played a, a massive role in saving a fellow sailor, and she also was so humble about that. It's like, yeah, I mean, any sailor would do the same thing. Yeah, probably, but still, like, you, you did it. Like, it's, mm -hmm. like, you, you already say, that was after she's been sailing solo for six months, mm -hmm. then to, to do this, and then to continue to go on winning, actually, the race is, I mean, I think for us, like, once she'd done that, she was like, yeah, she's a hero. Like, even if she doesn't finish the race, it doesn't also matter if she wins the race, definitely not. She's like, She's our hero. Yeah. Like she's, she's like already done. Like, like I mean, what she's done is already so amazing. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I mean, I think it also got like yeah, she gained a lot of respect for other sailors who maybe weren't paying attention to to it yet. Uh, and then eventually, actually, the person who was in first position, he had to. I don't think he abandoned the race. I think he had to go to shore somewhere in. Uh, South America because his wind vane broke, so he was out of the competition for winning the the, the, the main prize. Um, but another interesting thing, so like when she like uh, from South Africa all the way to France, actually, um, what's his name? Abilash. Abilash. Uh, Abilash. Sorry, yeah. was very close to her. Like I think the whole time they were like within a day, like within a few like hundred nautical miles of each other, which on a race like that is like pretty incredible. So they were actually like, like neck on neck, neck, on neck. actually he finished like, she finished Thursday morning, he arrived Thursday evening. Mm. So they finished like less than a day apart, which is amazing over that, that kind of time. Also a really amazing achievement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, I think he was also somehow involved in the yeah, he actually attempted also, rescue. Yeah, yeah, so he also was diverted to actually try to uh, rescue Tapio, but mm. uh, Kirsten got to him first. So actually, they both got some some um, bonus time, mm. like so basically, like if like a number of days or hours that they had to like get be extra, rerouted, yeah, yeah, no, no, to make up for the reroute, yeah, yeah. Um, which she didn't even need because she actually eventually she won one being the first to finish across the finish line. But yeah, no, it was it's, it was a, definitely a really. Um, really interesting race and like yeah like so many people fellow sailors were following it and especially closer towards the end actually your mom was also like mm. cheering her on she was also keeping us up to date about what Kirsten was doing after we told her about it so I think for us she was already like a sailing hero and and she managed to win the race which is like she was she's the first woman to win a solo non-stop race non-stop not just a golden globe mm. race and actually out of all the i think 19 who started the there were only apart from her only two others who well uh Abilash fin like finished just be behind her and i think there was one other sailor who was still who didn't make a stop mm. um so only people basically three people finished uh which is yeah just finishing that race is already like such a massive uh, achievement. Anyway, Kirsten Norshofer, our, <laughs> our hero, right? Yep. Um, is there anything else you wanted to say mm -mm. about her? No, I wanted to talk a bit about, um, I mentioned um, Bernard Mortessier, because um, so when the first Golden Globe race 
um, was held in 1968. He was one of the participants. Uh, I think the nine who, st who started. Uh, okay, now the alarm goes off. Yeah, sorry about that. We will. Sorry about all the background noise. Next time we'll just record it in our boat, which is strangely enough less noisy than, than here. Um, no, I think for me, like just seeing how Kirsten, how she's. <laughs> like I said, a bit noisy. <laughs> Hopefully you can hear, hear our um, re recording nonetheless. Um, she reminded me of. of um, and just her approach to sailing and how like how much of a solo sailor she is I mean how much it's part of like just the whole approach of like being one with her boat and being one with the ocean and just how in her element she she was um, so Bernard Moitessier was one of the participants in the 1968 uh, which actually was like uh, so Sir Robert, Robin Noxon, Knox Johnson, I always struggle with his name. Mm. Um, probably the Sir in front and another double surname. Anyway, um, ended up being the only one to, to finish that race and officially being the first person to sail solo nonstop around the world. But uh, Bernard Mottestier, who uh, left the UK, I think, a month after him, um, was actually on his way to to win the race, he was like, as they came around Cape Horn, he was still about a week or two weeks behind uh, Knox Johnson, but he was sailing much faster, so he would have overtaken him. That's um, speculative, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, there's, there's lots of theories. Yeah, lot of, lots of yeah. theories, and Anything I guess it, happen, and it also yeah. doesn't really matter, I think, but uh, just to put it into perspective, he could have he could have won the race. He probably, if he continued, he would have won the race, but once he came around Cape Horn and he was on his way basically back to, so that's the southern point of, of uh, South America, and you basically, once you're around there, you go up north again towards, like, over the equator to... Um, back to Europe, um, he, I think it's something he was thinking about when you read his, his book and you hear him talk about it, it's something he was thinking about since earlier on in the race, but he decided he didn't want to finish the race, he didn't want to be in that media circus of like possibly being the first one to sail solo around the world, and he decided to just continue, so he went around Cape of Good Hope again, around um, Australia again and actually ended up sailing to Tahiti and he sailed instead of like the probably nine or ten months he would have been sailing, he ended up sailing for 15 months and he just went to Tahiti and anchored his boat there and yeah, just continued <laughs> living the sailor life. It's interesting because when he he had said afterwards that it was never his intention to win the race. He just wanted to set that personal challenge of, of yeah. achieving a solo uh, yeah. circumnavigation, yeah. which is different to uh, Kristen. Kristen. We said, uh, I mean, it's to win it. <laughs> yeah, but the interesting thing about Bernard also, I think he, he, he had like a spiritual... Uh, he was either a very spiritual person or he had mm. a spiritual experience while on the, oh, yes. on the trip because he said it was a matter of saving his soul. Yeah. Um, whether he continued or or stopped, and yeah, he felt no, he, he basically yeah. said when he sent a message to the, like we said like back in those days the only way to communicate was via radio, but mm. he could only receive radio. He, his radio 
set was not set up to s transmit. So the only way to communicate with people uh, like his wife and, and his daughter back home and uh, anyone who was following him, his family, was to um, write a little note or write uh, and put it in a, a waterproof container and then... Slingshot the, it. Yeah, he used the catapult to shoot yeah. it to either another boat or okay. somewhere when he was close to shore, shoot it into the water and hope that it would land. Um, someone would get it. So when he got closer to land in South Africa, in, near Cape Town, he actually saw another boat and he actually managed to get a message back to people and that's what he said, I'm doing it to save my soul. Mm. Which I think a lot of people back then didn't understand. Mm. But like when you read... What he, uh, he was already quite an accomplished solo, I mean, sailor before that. And like when you read his books and you see, like you understand what kind of person it is, it makes total sense. But I guess that was why he was at odds with the whole concept of racing. Mm. Um, even though he, he was also a good racer. But like, I guess, yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, another like iconic sailor. Like Bernard mm. Mottesier, if you can, uh, the, long, the Long Way Around, I think is called this book. Uh, it's like it's it was in uh, French, but uh, it's translated to English. Anyway, if you can find it, it's like definitely a worthwhile reading. Cause yeah, even if you maybe not well, just as like if you're into sailing, but also if you love the ocean, or if you just into the like just yeah, this kind mm -hmm. of like setting challenges for yourself, or yeah, it's it's a really beautiful, really interesting book. Yeah, he kind of makes me think, because um, this morning I was thinking, um, I, I, I've i got like a desire, because uh, I've read The Alchemist like quite mm. a few times, um, I've got a desire to follow the same path, that's <laughs> so I want to go to Morocco and Spain. Mm. That's and, in the story of The yeah, Alchemist, yeah. And um, I just like thought, actually... There's a kind of an uh, alchemy that can happen when you're on the ocean. It just needs a little bit of acceptance of <laughs> of what's uh, of the elements and what they are providing you with. Um, and I was thinking that maybe at some point we'll be able to. Because I've already been like I think on the on the trip. I don't know how it is for you, mm. but I often talk to the ocean or to the mm. wind, either usually pleading for them <laughs> to like behave <laughs> give, themselves. Give you some <laughs> reprieve. But. I was like, I had like this realization this morning that maybe at some point, because the conversation has started from my side, but maybe once I've accepted what is being offered, that maybe there will actually be like a conversation from both mm. sides and that maybe that's what happens. Uh, maybe that's the alchemy that can happen when mm. you are um, like open to it. Open and, mm. and, and humble mm. and accepting of the situation. Mm. So I think maybe. I don't know, I just had that thought this morning and it made me feel happy mm. about sailing. So, <laughs> not a bad thing to happen. <laughs> and it reminded you of Bernard Mottesier. Yeah, because I think he's, I think he, I, sus I don't obviously didn't know him or maybe don't know enough about him, but I suspect that his whole way of being was to really be going with the flow of, mm. of the ocean yeah. and to be mm. uh, accepting what was being given. Yeah. Mm. And then maybe getting some learning from that. Mm. Yeah. 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 So the other person we wanted to talk about. Joshua oh, Joshua Slocum, yeah. yeah. The interesting thing, I'm, why putting them in the same line? Actually, the boat uh, Bernard Montessier sailed around the world within the Golden Globe race was called Joshua mm. in uh, honor of Joshua Slocum, who was the first uh, solo sailor mm. to sail around the world by himself. 
which also like in those days, like that's even further back. That's like the end of the 19th century. Mm. It's like a wooden boat. He basically built himself. I mean, the boat was was. A, I mean, we listened to the audio book. Mm. That's also real. Like even more, maybe even more, like a, a book to, for everyone to to read. Uh, Joshua Slocum, sailing around the world alone. I think it's called. Anyway, also, um, yeah. Quite, quite funny, also. Quite, and also, just <laughs> if you're into traveling apart from sailing, I think you just his experience of all the different places he he went to and the people he met. Like, I think the part in South Africa was quite entertaining on seeing mm -hmm. that, like how many people were flat earthers there in that time, <laughs> yeah. while he just sailed around the world. So it's like. Um, <laughs> I just sail around it anyway. Also, um, there's a politician who said he was yeah, meeting with him. Apparently, even, uh, what is, well, uh, was it President Kruger then? Anyway, mm. uh, some very influential people believe that. And he had his, his own thoughts about it. But it's, it also, his whole approach was like how he writes about it like was quite quite funny. It's like, it sounded like he was also quite a, I mean, completely different character than what we've been talking about Bernard Montessier more probably more social but also mm. very uh, entertaining character so in a few places like as in Australia but also here on St. Helena uh, actually gave some talks also I think he, he charged admittance just to have to gain a bit of money to like mm. continue his trip uh, so like we said there's a, a plaque here to commemorate the, that he not just that he stopped here, but that he uh, gave a talk here. But I think that, I mean, the yeah. other thing that, for example, when Demi's uh, saying that his personality and his character are quite unique and special, it's, I wanted to mention the, that he had like a pirate that would oh, yeah. come on his, that would take over the boat. When he was, was like all by himself and he was basically delirious because he would like hadn't slept properly and uh, basically he'd, he'd gotten stomach cramps or he'd gotten sick yeah and at some point uh, he woke up and, uh, and the pirate had taken over a spanish pirate was uh steering the boat steering the boat and the way he talks about it is that he obviously he knows that he wasn't there but he talks about him as a real person who was like his mm. kind of his companion on on this trip mm. um no it's a really really interesting uh book about sailing and about uh, especially sailing in the 19th century. So he also like uh, goes to, I mean, because it's because he didn't just um, non-stop, -stop. Yeah. he tells you a little bit all, about all the places, places that he stopped, went to and, and all the people he met. met there. Yeah. Uh, he went, actually he went uh, westward, so um, I had the Golden Globe race, they start in, in Europe, either the UK or France, then they go south around uh, Cape of Good Hope in uh, South Africa, then towards Australia, south of Australia, and then south of um, South Africa, uh, South America, Brazil, yeah. Brazil uh, or oh, no, uh, South uh, Cape Horn, and yeah. then come back. So that's sailing eastward, which is if you want to sail nonstop and you want to do it the fastest way, that's the way to do it. But then you're sailing in the southern latitudes, which is like just very heavy seas the whole way which and is wind, a lot of wind yeah. and like yeah basically once because around it's basically the whole area a bit south of like we said Africa Australia and South America uh, the only thing between there and then the South Pole is Antarctica but mainly it's just open water so basically the wind just blows the same direction and it just circles Antarctica so it just builds up and builds up and the waves build up and build up and it's yeah it's pretty scary, mm -hmm. which is also why Cape Horn is pretty scary to go around. 
um, which is what uh, they did in the Golden Globe race, which Bernal Matasia did, and which uh, Kirsten Neuschaffer did. Um, Joshua Slocum sailed the other way around. He actually was sailed, because the Panama Canal wasn't dug back then. He couldn't go through the Panama Canal, because it wasn't the Panama Canal. So he sailed the um, Magellan Channel, Shades. Strait of Magellan, yeah, which is basically Magellan, whose expedition was the first to sail around the world, non like, not non-stop or not solo, just... Yeah. And it actually wasn't Magellan because he died along the way. It was uh, but the people he sailed with, the few of his crew actually survived, uh, were the first to sail around the world. So he actually uh, was the first to sail that strait. Uh, it's, um, yeah, close to Cape Horn. It's like Terra del Fuego, which sounds like a really amazing place and the way uh, Joshua Slocum talks about it. Uh, very interesting. I mean, he also talks about, uh, I'm going to put it between air quotes, the natives, because it's not a term I would want to use, but that's how he described it. And, yeah, The way he talks about them is, is well, in today's term, wouldn't be uh, acceptable. acceptable, but I guess mm. it was a different time. Yeah. Um, not to justify the thoughts he had, or, but just to, to give it some context. Anyway, it's, it's quite interesting, the encounters he had there, and um, yeah, him sailing through through the Magellan Strait. It actually made me want to do it someday, but it's it's only it seems only marginally less difficult than sailing around Cape Horn, which is like for any sailor that's like the ultimate challenge to sail around Cape Horn. I've talked to Kay about this multiple times at once in my life. I would probably want to do it, but Kay's already said like you can do that without me because it doesn't. Oh, how would you say it? Yeah, it's not something you're interested in doing. No, uh, Cape Horn is like, it's basically like, I, like as I just said, like the around like the Southern Ocean, the the wind just builds up and the ocean builds up, and Cape Horn is like the piece of land that sticks out the most. So it basically hits that cape, and it's it's really yeah, it's a very challenging place to sail, but it's also like, yeah, very iconic, and like I guess that's maybe what but attracts people to do it. Um, but yeah, Joshua Slocum, another uh, very interesting sailor. And like we said, all the Kirsten, um, Bernard, Joshua, like iconic. Mm. I think uh, uh, for me, she's, she definitely fits in that, mm. that uh, row of like so sailors. Well, they're all solo sailors, but like just sailors that are like really like of that level, like mm. people that are really, yeah. So if you, if you had to give one word to each of those sailors, describe what oh. it is that they are offering, what would you, oh. I mean? Ooh, that's a very hard one. Do you have an idea? Uh, I think that, like for Joshua Slocum, for me, it would be like adventure. Mm. I mean, they're all adventures, but yeah, yeah, his but adventures, like the kind of adventure that I like yeah. to go to new places. Yeah. Meet, and see, I guess, yeah. yeah, and he was the first one to do something. I mean, all of them were the first to do something, I yeah. guess. Um, and then I think for Bernard Montessier, Montessier, yeah. Montessier, Montessier, I always say it wrong. Um, it's like this connection or soul, soul. Yeah. Yeah. Something like hmm. some, uh, he brings something deeper. Hmm. Uh, yeah, spiritual. Into, into sailing. Spiritual connect. Yeah. yeah. And then I think for Kristen, it's about like I can't really put in one word, but about. Like defying all the odds, hmm. you know. I would say bravery. Bravery, that's a good uh, one. 
yeah. courage, yeah. Courage Bravery, and yeah. like just, I mean, uh, which is also, I think, I, I guess these are like all the things you mentioned are like uh, either qualities or, or parts of that maybe we're or we're trying to find in ourselves or that attract exactly. us to sailing. Yeah. And I yeah. guess the, all, all three of them have obviously completely different personalities. They're also sailing and like, sailing in completely different, different areas. Like yeah. I think they're all about 50 years apart. But they all, all three of them did something, which I guess, like, well, like for a lot of people was like not, I mean, yeah, it's like what they say, like a lot of things seem impossible s until you do it. Mm. And I think definitely, like, yeah, sailing solo around the world nonstop was like until someone did it, most people said it was impossible. Yeah. Um, I hope we're living in a time where no one was saying that of course and that it was impossible for a woman to do it, but still, mm. it's like it's very much a male-dominated world still, so she was also defying the odds, and, mm. and Joshua Slocum was just the first to sail solo mm. over these distances, which also in those times, like I think most people probably thought he was crazy because it's just like, you know, mm. no one had done it, and like people thought it, it couldn't be done. So yeah, I think that's, yeah. That's yeah, why we admire these people. Yeah. The whole thing about the alchemy thing is that mm. it's transformation. I think mm. that that's what happens. Yeah, yeah. they transformed been. themselves, but yeah. I think they transformed by what they're doing. They transformed sailing for everyone else because yeah. they kind of showed that something could be done, and it actually, in like, opened so many things for for other people. So I'm I'm thinking and I'm hoping that for Kirsten with mm. Kirsten that also for a lot of women in sailing would all open. Like, yeah, and also for herself, n n not in the least, because uh, she actually financed her boat and the, the sailing herself. She had a, a GoFundMe up, which I don't know if it's still up, but last I checked last week, she actually reached her goal. But until just before she finished, she actually, yeah, mm. she wasn't even going to recuperate the money mm. she put in. Uh, but I'm also hoping, I mean, I, I know it will open a lot of doors for her for like to continue doing things she's doing and mm. like, yeah. Um, I'm definitely, yeah, yeah. I'm also hoping w one day maybe you will, will be lucky to meet her. I she was gonna write a book. That's yeah, what I'm or for, yeah. I would love to just hear her talk. She actually did a together with uh, the other South African participant in the Golden Lovers. She actually went to uh, Royal Cape before starting the race, but we weren't around. Uh, than anymore. Yeah. I think we just missed her. Or, no, we were still around. We didn't know about it. Yeah, or yeah. we somehow missed it. Uh, for whatever reason, we weren't able to. So we actually missed a few opportunities to see her in person, but um, we're hoping that we'll, we'll still get the chance. I think that's all yeah. for today. Yeah, for this week. Uh, I think next week we'll talk a bit more about St. Helena. The last two weeks we weren't talking a lot about St. Helena. We've like, gained so much more experience and seen somewhere in more parts of the island so we'd love to share some of that next week i think eh? yes yes yeah. so we'll be another episode will be online next week friday hope you'll listen to it Thanks. and yeah like share uh give five stars or whatever it is <laughs> that gets <laughs> we, uh, like gets it out to more people yep um, and if you have any you questions it. or yeah. comments or you just want to reach out to say hello, you're welcome yeah. to contact us via our Garmin image. We'll, make, we'll put the link yeah. in the notes. Yeah, or yeah. otherwise go to svtropicaldawn.blog forward slash contact and you'll read our contact details there. There's a, our inReach email address. If you click on it, you actually get to a form where you can get to our inReach 
and otherwise our email address and all that is there. So yeah, I hope you enjoyed it, and yeah, let us know what you think. And maybe if you've got uh, people you who you admire, either in sailing or anywhere else, uh, or yeah, people we might not even know about, we'd love to hear. Okay, till next week. Bye.